Alright guys, welcome back to episode four. You are here with Huda. And with Mishkat. And? Mohammed. Mohammed, who decided not to be called Mori Dawari because we just <laughs> spent the last three episodes ragging on Mori Dawari. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the, the, the concession. Yeah. Mm. So what do we need to talk about today, Mohammed? Um, men's mental health. Yes, we are. And how Specifically do you, Muslim yeah. men or? Yeah, ethnic man, Muslim man. And you qualify because you are a Muslim ethnic man. How's your mental health? My mental health is great. Is that factual? How's your mental health? You guys health? are so weird. How's your mental health? <laughs> so how, how do you guys, no, no, how do you guys know each other? Because um, I'm the odd one out here. We uh, went to the same rehab clinic. <laughs> school. Uh, school meaning the Islamic school here. Yes, yeah, yeah. So Islamic college. Yeah. But I was like hell popular and like <clears throat> stuff, and Muhammad was just like in the background. He wasn't one of the oh. main characters. Oh, okay. Mm. Right. Yeah, I was one of the side characters, huh? Yeah. <laughs> NPCs. Yeah. What was that like? No. I saw like a TikTok video and stuff. And TikTok. Craziest thing. Your Islamic friends, school on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. One of my friends. Her oldest son actually has started going. So she got married straight out of high school. So she went. She was like, oh, now they offer, like, woodwork and, like, cooking and, like, the proper private school stuff. And they've redone the whole school and they've got these new uniforms and, like, yeah. So, Mohammed, you were telling me that you came from Iraq, right? At the Um, age of 13? Well, no, I was saying, yeah, yeah. My parents are from Iraq, but I was born and raised in Iran. And that's where I came from at the age of 13 to Australia. Okay. I'm from Iran, but I'm not Iranian. <laughs> <laughs> Only the OGs get that one. <laughs> no, I don't get it. Well, hit me in the comments if you actually understood what that meant. Come, okay. come slide in my Instagram DMs and I will respond to you if you if you know where that line's from. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so you, you were born... In Tehran? In Tehran, yeah. Okay. Do you speak Farsi? Uh, my Farsi is really poor these days. I mean, right. I, I still understand because I, I don't practice as well. So you, like with your parents and stuff, you speak Arabic or Farsi? Oh, we speak Arabic at home. Uh, unless, um, if my mom doesn't want my dad to understand, then she'll speak Farsi. Oh. Oh, so your dad doesn't speak Farsi? No. So he didn't live in Iran? He did. Okay. He just said, why doesn't he speak Farsi? <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, I honestly couldn't say. He taught at an Arabic school. He was a book editor for Arabic books. Mm. And um, he uh, he didn't speak Farsi well enough to he didn't speak Farsi as well as my mom, mm-hmm. and um, yeah he uh, he just didn't uh, learn it as well as my mom did. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But my mom was in Iran for a lot longer as well. She was there from a young age as well. Okay. Cool. So what's your story? How did you come here? On a boat or a plane? <laughs> um, you were a refugee. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. What age did you come here? I was born a refugee. Um, Thirteen. Relatable experience. You can't relate to. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so you were 13 when you came, and then yeah. you started school here? Uh, yeah, I went to an Islamic college. Straight uh, away? No, no, I went to a English as a second language school mm-hmm. for like a year almost. Yeah. And then I went to an Islamic college. Okay. Yeah. So what, what like, year did you start school? Year nine? Nine, yeah. Oh, so you only joined us in year nine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I think my my earliest memory of you is like probably year ten. Probably. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. My earliest memory of you is you walking around like, uh, like you were an American gangster, like you know you had this real. <laughs> I could so imagine that. I could. Oh, apparently, so I used to walk that. like such a gangster when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So what was that transition like then? Moving what, from moving from uh, Iran to Australia. Um, well, to tell you the truth, I actually thought, fuck, we're leaving and it's going to be me and a whole bunch of whiteies. That's what I thought it was going to be like. Yeah. And, then, and then we moved here and it was Islamic college and it was like, oh, it's me and like every Muslim nation under the sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually did like that. I, uh, um, I guess growing up in Iran as an Arab, uh, you, um, you're kind of told at home that you're Iraqi and that you don't really belong here and you know you get these ideas in your head mm. and then you um, uh, so you know you, uh, you you feel that way you feel like you know I don't belong here and one day I'll go to Iraq and that's my homeland and I'll belong there and I'll be uh, just like everybody else mm. um, and then we moved here and you know the same story you kind of think oh yeah one day I'll go to Iraq and mm. you know I'll find the place that I'm from the place that I belong the place that Did I Did you internalize home. any of that or is that just the messaging that people are giving you? 
Um, I can't tell you how I felt or what I thought to myself at like nine or thirteen, mm-hmm. but uh, I remember even like uh, in high school, uh, like let's say fifteen, sixteen. I remember feeling like you know I I ne- I've never belonged anywhere. I've never felt like I fit in. I I've always felt apart, and um, uh, I mean, in Iran, I mean, obviously, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but um, uh, Iran and Iraq had like a seven, eight year long war, mm. and um, there's a lot of resentment between those two groups of people, right. the Iranians and the Iraqis. So being Arab, being an Iraqi in Iran is not ideal right after the war, mm. maybe like a decade after the war. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> I just nearly hit you with that. What was your experience like then? Like, do you remember it being relatively positive or do you remember like people being not so nice to you because you were Iraqi? Oh, um, no, it was mostly negative because uh, somebody, everybody's lost somebody in the war, uh, an uncle or a dad or someone, something. And um, Iranians, you mean? Yeah, Iranians. And so they weren't very polite towards the uh, Iraqis. Uh, to be honest, uh, at that time in Iran, there was a lot of racism anyway. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, the other uh, minorities copped it even worse. I mean, uh, Afghanistan was kind of unstable as well, and mm. Iran being the only stable nation in the region had a lot of refugees. Mm. I think there's something like a million re- Afghani refugees in Iran. and Afghan, yeah. Uh, yeah, what did I say? Afghani. What's yeah. the difference? Afghani is currency. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, there was, um, there was a lot of Afghan uh, refugees as well. Mm. Not, not so many Arabs, though. Very, very few, because um, obviously Iraqis? you don't flee uh, to the country that you're fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not commonly. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Iraqis mostly, I think, went to Saudi and Syria. Mm. And then, so I guess, what are some of the struggles that you have faced with your mental health? Um, I think uh, the same as most people. Uh, you know, life is a roller coaster. It's up and down. That's the uh, same for your mental health. Yeah. And would you say on a on the general at the moment are you in a sort of healthy and positive place or not so much? Um well, I mean uh, okay, uh, uh that's a hard one. Uh, I feel like I'm okay. I feel like I'm doing well, mm-hmm. but um I do occasionally feel really down and I don't know why and uh, yeah. Mm. But I think a lot of people feel that way. And when you say you don't know why, mm-hmm. so you mean nothing? I don't have a specific reason or excuse to feel bad or not be happy or not be content. I mean, um, you know, when we, like, you know, we're, we're all children of uh, migrants, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you compare your life to your parents or something and like they went so, through such struggles and uh, life was so hard for them and then and then you're like sitting in your fancy house and you know well paying job and everything provided and no short no shortages of anything and you think oh I don't feel really good and then mm-hmm. you know at the same time you're like oh, I feel I feel bad that I feel bad I, I feel guilty that I'm not yeah. completely happy and okay and you know um, uh, I guess it, uh, it invalidates your feelings and and your unhappiness. And, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's there's a lot more awareness now with you know mental health, and I think even in schools, kids are being taught that too. Like I feel like um, maybe our generation we're just a bit messed up, but like the Gen Z or is it Gen X or whatever they're mm-hmm. called, they're just so much better at all this kind of stuff because they have a lot more yeah. awareness. Mm-hmm. I have a very similar experience when I was like sixteen. Or around like 14, 15, 16, there was just a lot going out, going on in the house, like just chaotic family relationships and stuff. And mm. then like um, my grandparents were sick, so my dad was like going back and forth. Um, and there's just a lot of stress in school too. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure I had an eating disorder and mild <laughs> depression or something, or mm. probably severe if I was had an eating disorder. But um, I just remember my dad saying like, you know, you should be so grateful. Yeah, yeah. all right? the time. You'd be like, no, you like you have everything. Go to the best school. You do this and that. Uh, you should be really grateful. Like you, you have everything you need. And I was, mm. and I just felt so shit. Yeah. Like after mm-hmm. that. And then he got me. Do you know that at the time there was this really famous book called "Don't Be Sad" by Ayatollah Khomeini. No. 
Okay, well, it was really popular. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I was. Oh, La Tahzan? La Tahzan, yeah. Yeah, it was that one. He got me that. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they knew you were unhappy? I mean, he just thought I was, like, being an asshole, I suppose. Yeah, being an yeah, 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 yeah. ungrateful brat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, like, and that's how you feel a little bit And then I wasn't well. eating as well, so mm-hmm. he used to get really mad. Do you remember overcoming all of this through some particular method, or is it just, like... Well, at the time, like, we didn't know, we didn't have a word for this, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't come from a medical background or, like, a psych background or anything like that, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known to put a word on something like that, or that this is something that kind of a lot of people go through. Yeah. Um, so how did you know that you were out of it, is my question, I guess. How did you... Were you ever out of it? Um, I think it took many, many years. Right. I, I don't think it just happened overnight. I think it took sure. many, many years. I was in university, and then I think I met lots a lot more people and made many more friends, had a community, mm-hmm. felt a bit more sheltered and supported. Yeah. And I think the older you get, like, you just have more life experiences... You get new perspectives. And I think that really helps too. Yeah. You know, interesting that you said that thing about having a word for it. Because I feel like that's one thing that, like, this younger generation really benefits from, like, TikTok and stuff. Because you look at it like, oh, stupid people dancing or whatever. But, like, (laughs) there's a lot of beneficial content on there, you know? And there's, like, young kids nowadays know things like, oh, you know, body shaming or depression or anxiety or whatever. And they have the vocabulary to actually discuss how they're feeling, you know? But even things like, you know, with predatory behavior and stuff from their friends or from adults and stuff, because there's all this content out there teaching them, like, this is what's happening and it's not okay and these are the words to use for it. I feel like it really empowers them. Oh, 100%. Like, my brother, he's, like, 14, 15. Anytime my dad says any kind of, like, weird toxic shit, my dad, he's just like, "Um, Dad, you can't speak to me that way. Like, (laughs) this is not good for my mental health. And so he's just so good at, like, setting boundaries with them as well. And they're just, like, they're so stunned. They're like, wait, what? You know, what does this mean? Mental health? (laughs) But I feel like they're learning so much as well through them. But they're being, like, forced to face it. Whereas I don't think we ever could. I still fall into that trap, though. Absolutely, yeah. And it gives them, like, the power to talk back, whereas we never could. Like, I remember I was at a family dinner and someone was talking to my little cousin who was, like, 14 or something. And, like, they must have made some sort of comment about her body or whatever, or, like, oh, you're gaining weight or whatever. She was like, stop body shaming me. And I was like, shit, the amount of times that I got told, oh, like, you know, you're this or you're that (laughs) when I was a kid. If I had known the word body shaming, I would have, like, an arsenal to, like, use, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. Okay. Hmm. So... I think uh, what you guys are uh, uh, kind of mentioning is uh, it goes a lot into self-esteem and, um, you know, nowadays, um, uh, you know, kids uh, are kind of like uh, really, uh, uh, I guess, supported with their, uh, you know, their self-worth and self-esteem. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're told that, like, you know, uh, n- no one should make you feel bad about your weight or your whatever. Mm. Um, but with us. We didn't have any of this stuff, yeah. you know. No. It was uh, it was you're a worthless kid <laughs> yeah. uh, because you're the youngest person in the family. You're the youngest person in the in the hierarchy, and and uh, how you feel doesn't matter. You just do as you're told. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And that was the culture that we grew up in, and I, I think that's the culture that a lot of Muslim ethnics grow up in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's so like now there's almost a validation of all these concepts of like all oh, your thoughts, your emotions. Whereas mm-hmm. for us, it was just like those things don't exist. Yeah, there was no yeah. conversation regarding these things. Yeah. So, like, so you obviously have some level of struggle with your mental health. You're saying sometimes you feel sad and stuff, right? And blah, 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 blah or mm-hmm. you feel down. Have you ever tried to, like, seek help? Um, yeah, once I, uh, I told my doctor and then he was like, oh, here's a, here's a like, a number that you can organize an appointment and stuff. Mm. I did, and then I spoke to the lady for like two minutes, and then I was like, oh, I'll have to reschedule, I'm busy, and then I never did call. Back. Is this a psychologist or psychiatrist? Um, Wait, psychologist. Uh, I think maybe counselor. it was a mental health nurse, mm. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So why did you speak to her for two minutes and then give up? Well, did you well, feel like she wouldn't understand, or um, just out? I, I guess partly, yeah. I... Um, uh, I figured I'll just deal with it. I've always dealt with it myself, and I can just deal with it. Yeah. So what's I guess what's the hurdle for you actually seeking professional help? Well, I, I don't think I will because I, uh, I'm dealing with it relatively well. Uh, but sorry, I'm gonna keep interrupting. But uh, yeah, no, that's okay. Uh, I, the hurdles I guess for people in my position is, uh, um, well, we have this, uh, uh, I guess. Uh, 
uh, idea about being uh, uh, being a man and mm. and being an adult and and uh, and being strong, not being weak. Yeah. Uh, more not being weak than being strong. Okay. And. Um, uh, you know, uh, I- even though like we're talking about all the stuff, mental health, and you know, and, and it's all really, you know, really positive stuff, obviously. But um, you know, you hear about somebody who's like, uh, uh, you know, looking for mental health assistance or something, and you just kind of think to yourself, "Oh, weak." Do you? Uh, well, yes, um, and uh, I uh, like that's not how I feel. Right. I, I, I think to myself, "Hey, that's fantastic." Yeah. But I have these thoughts anyway, yeah. and I think it's 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 our upbringing. You know, we're products yeah. of our um, of our environment and our upbringing. And um, you know, you, you don't make the rules about how the world runs. Right. You know, you don't. Um, you know, if I uh, throw this bottle of water across the room, I'm not going to think about the physics of how it's going to fly around. Mm. You know, I don't make the rules. You just you just live in this world, and we live in a world where um, I guess, you know, men have to behave in a certain way. Mm. And I remember between year 9 and year 10, I got this job. And um, I made like $7,000 over that school holiday. And um, that's the first that's a time. Lot. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I was doing 12 <laughs> like hours kid, just yeah. at a farm. Yeah, mm. it was horrible. But um, I remember um, speaking. Uh, that's the first time my dad spoke to me about their finances. And then that's when I realized, like, oh, shit, they're struggling. Mm. And uh, so I... Uh, I uh, basically gave them like 95% of that money and um, it all went to like unpaid bills and stuff like that. And since then, for the longest time, I would help them financially. And when we were in high school, the school bus would uh, drop me off at uh, work Mm. and um, I would work from like whenever the school bus would drop me off until like 9, 10, until I shut. It was a restaurant that we owned. It was a kebab shop. Mm. Uh, pizza kebab shop. <laughs> Do you remember it? Did you ever come? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I uh, I ran that place when I was in high school uh, every day in the evening. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, I would I would get home at, like, 10, 30, 11. And then instead of going to sleep straight away, I would, like, sit up and play video games. Mm. I guess in hindsight, like, that's the only time that I had time to myself. And so that's... Yeah, that's, I guess, me taking control of my life and mm. doing stuff that I wanted to do. Um, oh, yeah, okay, so... Yeah, so there was no pressure on me to behave in a certain way uh, from my parents. Um, I mean, not uh, not specifically, like, asking me to do this or other, uh, but um, uh, I guess because I was uh, quite busy with work and school. And mm. I wasn't really doing well at school anyway. I was... Yeah. yeah. Let me go back to what you were talking about just before Mishka's question. So mm. you said that there's a sort of pressure on, on men to not be weak and, yeah. you know, that's part of your hurdle for why you don't seek professional help. Mm-hmm. Is that because you're, you've are you sort of got some level of internal fear of other people judging you or yourself judging you? Um, or are you judging yourself, rather? Uh, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I haven't had this conversation. Uh, but um, uh, probably both. I mean, uh, I, like I said, I have those thoughts and I judge, uh, but I never like verbalize those thoughts. Mm-hmm. I never like put anyone down for anything like that. I'm always supportive. If any of my friends ever say, like, hey, I spoke to a therapist or something, oh, that's fantastic, good on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and like he might be on antidepressants or something, mm-hmm. and I'll just be thinking to myself, like, you know, you, you gotta get off that shit. You can't stay on that. You mm-hmm. know, it's uh, it's no way to live to just be on antidepressants for for years on end. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, I uh, yeah. So if you're not seeking professional help, then do you feel like you have friends or any anyone else that you can confide in? No. Does that all like play into like your idea of manhood as well? Because well, everything that we talked about, right, they're all in the same shoes. You know, you know? what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're saying, um, you know, that your first time earning all this much money and you just wanted to like contribute to your your household and mm-hmm. kind of help providing, and then you helped out with the shop as well. And then your parents didn't really put any restrictions on you, but maybe it's because you also lived up to their expectations of being a man. As well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think? 
Um, Can I just say, regardless of whether you're working or not, you would have been able to stay up and play video games at 10 p.m., right? Very likely. Yeah. yeah. So, For, I mean, yeah uh, as a boy in, yeah, a, yeah. in a Muslim household, yeah, you get so much more freedom and so much more. Yeah. Um, like have any sort of like medium or space where you actually feel like you can talk about how you're feeling in your mental health and actually express all of that? Because you're um, saying you don't talk to your friends about it. Uh, no, I don't, um, no, I don't really have a medium or anything like mm. that, so. Because I feel like even when you and I have had conversations, it's almost like trying to push you just over the edge to actually say something, hey? Uh. Okay, so we don't need to go there. <laughs> no, um, look, uh, but um, um, every time I've dated somebody for just uh, like it's, you know, uh, more than like a few dates, uh, they'll be like, hey, you know, you should speak to a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> And um, a lot of the times when I have a female friend, yeah, same thing. They'd be like, hey, you know, you, you should speak to somebody. Why? Do you, like, unburden yourself with, like, women more? No, maybe it just comes out, like, little bits or something. I don't, I don't know. I it does, you know, because I'm, I mean, not like, sure. Yeah, do you like, I'm one oh, of they poke. That they, they're curious and they poke and they ask. I guess men don't generally talk about mental health. They don't talk about how they feel. Yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, accepted way to behave is to be stoic and to just... Uh, to just you know man up and power through it and uh, push your feelings down and uh, yeah just be in control yeah um, uh, yeah so uh, I don't know does that answer your question is that do you say how that that's how it should be or well I mean uh, you know I, I I agree that it shouldn't be and I agree that men should be able to uh, express their feelings. Here's a. Uh, did you guys do any reading for this, by the way, or did you watch any like videos or documentaries about? No, a little bit. A little bit. Can, okay. Can you edit yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this thing's gonna go in my mouth. <laughs> that's fine. No. Look, that's how it's supposed to be. Okay. All yeah. right. That's cool. Um, uh, so I, actually, I was uh, I was reading this book on suicide by Emil Durkheim. Um, it's called On Suicide, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it, it was really interesting. I mean, I wasn't reading this because of um, like, I don't know, mental, men's mental health or whatever, but men commit suicide, like, so much more often than women. Mm-hmm. It's like, here in Australia, like, 3,300 people kill themselves, right? Okay. And um, 3,500 maybe? Okay, don't quote me the statistics. But uh, 2,800 were men. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so, so, so much fewer women kill themselves than men. And, um, and men between, like, 25 to 40, hey? From what I remember. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, men of all ages commit suicide more more commonly, uh, but single men do more commonly. That's that's true. But you um, in your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, actually, being married does reduce the rates of suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah, For men. but no, no, not necessarily. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Uh, no, that's all right. You guys, uh, I almost lost my uh, trail of thought. Um, that's okay. Uh, I'll just, uh, I guess I'll share those statistics. So, so you were uh, reading the book on suicide? Yeah, I was reading this book on suicide. And uh, in one of the final chapters, it talks about uh, suicide and uh, marriage and relationships. And, um, you know, it talks about all these countries and their rates of suicide. Countries like uh, Baden and Prussia and Saxony. And I'm like, where the fuck are all these places? Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's modern day Germany, but, you know, I had to look it up still. Um, and um, And then later on, he talks about the different regulations and different uh, laws in those nations. And um, basically, like with countries where um, marriage is like a, uh, it reduces suicide for men, in those countries, there are no divorces. Divorces are not allowed, they're not acceptable, they're uh, they're not legal, because this, this this is statistics from the 1870s. Okay. Yeah, the book was written in 1897, so mm-hmm. it's not modern, but you know, it still gives you a pretty good indication. But with countries that did allow uh, divorce, in those countries, uh, marriage uh, didn't really help men's suicide, but it helped women's. It reduced women's suicide, but it didn't. Because they it got increased. out of a marriage. Uh, well, I mean, you know, you could um, put your own uh, spin on it, so I guess. So what conclusion do you uh, draw from it? Well, uh, I'd say that it's definitely when women are in a relationship, in a marriage, and they don't have the option to divorce, mm-hmm. then there, there is more suicide. 
But if they're in a, and in those scenarios. Women or men? Women. Women. So women, if they're in a relationship and they don't have the option to Mm -hmm. divorce, there will be more suicides in the the country, I guess. But um, if they have the option to divorce, Mm -hmm. then marriage is a positive thing. And women who are married will commit suicide less often. Mm -hmm. But if there is no option to divorce, then there's more married women committing suicide compared to compared to spinsters, which is the term used for single woman. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Uh, the opposite for men. Yeah. So uh, so, uh, this uh, patriarchal society where we control everything is really good for our mental health. Like going back to this, what's the so what's the conclusion that we can draw about men from your statistics? Because I thought this started with something about men. Oh, um, uh, okay, so um, uh, when they do surveys about mental health and, and like suicide ideation and all that kind of stuff, the most at-risk uh, groups are uh, uh, young white women. But then uh, <laughs> the groups that uh, commit suicide most are uh, men, men of all ages, of all groups and identities. And, and it just kind of goes that like, it, it's because men are told to not talk about their feelings, not share, be stoic, and just, you know, um, adhere to these idea, ideals of, like, what a man should be. But woman, it's okay to talk about your feelings. It's okay to feel down. Yeah. It's okay to seek help. Uh, yeah, so... And it's natural for women to just congregate and, um, and then, you know, yeah. and it's acceptable. Yeah. But, exactly. like, have you ever heard of men's sheds? Men's sheds? Yeah. No. So I think it's quite global. I don't know. It's quite common in Ireland, UK, and I think they have them in Australia as well, where um, they do, you know, they do realize that men tend to open up to each other when they're doing like meaningful activities, whether it's like building or like woodworking or um, uh, like tending a garden or landscaping, those kind of things, like basically what's considered like men, masculine activity, right? Okay, so, you know, building... um, uh, like a new center or something like that, right? What so about oppressing people? Wow. Oh my God. Okay, let's just okay, go back. Yeah, let's go back. Uh, let's go back. <laughs> yeah. um, so these men's sheds are essentially like mm-hmm. a group of men who come together and it helps to like um, alleviate like social isolation as well. And they're doing something act- and they're being active as well. And that's how you get men to kind of come together, do something for the community. Yeah. And it gets them to open up as well mm-hmm. and confide in one another. And you have, like, <clears throat> mentorship as well. Sure, sure. Um, That's cool. Rather than just, like, sitting with, like, a therapist and mm-hmm. opening up your heart to that yeah. person, it's much, much harder to get men to yeah. um, climb that hurdle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, because, like, for you, for example, to think of, oh, I'm going to go hang out with this therapist and tell her my feelings, you're going to mm-hmm. feel like, like you were saying, you feel like a bit of a, like... Okay. But... Can't use the word, but anyway, um, if someone's telling you like, "Oh yeah, you know, come, we're gonna build, you know, Noah's Ark together or whatever," you know, you're like, "Oh yeah, might as well go invent some carpentry or you know, hang out with my mates or whatever." And then there, they sort of facilitate these discussions yeah. on how you're feeling and stuff, and you feel more butch and, and like you can still be a man because you're building in Noah's Ark, but at the same time, you're like, "Oh yeah, I feel a bit shit," you know. No, but these actually exist, men's sheds. Yeah, yeah. They okay. exist in, like, uh, in yeah. different places. And I'm pretty sure. sure they have them in Australia, too. No, that's that's fantastic. But yeah. um, I, I guess I wasn't uh, clear with how I was saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, uh, So, like, uh, let's go back 300 years ago or something, and the the landowner requires something built. I understand what you're saying, yeah. but, but, I mean, there's nothing to suggest that these conversations would naturally happen in, during, like, manual labor. These are facilitated conversations. The oh, manual labor is an introduced aspect okay. to, to sort of introduce a level of like okay. comfort. Okay. Do you understand? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Is that something that would appeal to you? No. So, I mean, you, you recognizing you're probably not in the best place, recognizing that it's probably not the best sort of pattern for the community to have this expectation of, you know, men being stoic and, and like self dependent when it comes to oil you know, not even not even self-dependent, but just sort of like sweeping away the concept entirely towards me- like your mental health and whatnot, or men's in general. Is there no level of like, you know, if I don't agree with this and I can sort of, like I'm well aware of the ne- negative impacts on me from this sort of expectation, I don't want to be part of the change? And, or is that just 
because like you're too bon you don't want to make yourself vulnerable to be part of the change um i think um it's a uh, uh i, I mean I, I want the changes to happen mm. i uh, i support the changes but uh, as far as um, like me being a staunch supporter and and going out there and you know um, I, d I don't mean I, you have to campaign and stuff but you I no mean, i know just but addressing even, your it, own even addressing my own feels like campaigning okay. <laughs> yeah. so how do we how do we get you to move away from that sort of well, I, uh, I I don't think I need to because I my mental health is not terrible. So, I'm, I'm yeah. doing I mean, relatively well. I mean, when I say well, you, so. obviously I mean but you, but I also mean yeah, general. you as a representative. Okay, um, I, I think conversations like this, you know, we just need to talk about it more and uh, mm. and make it okay to talk about men's mental health. Um, but yeah, what constitutes therapist. like a real issue, though? Suicide. If I, was, if, I, really? if I kill myself, then I know. As I in, if you this. had like suicidal <laughs> thoughts, that's when you would yeah. seek help? Yeah. But you know that's usually very late. That's too late at that point to seek help, you know? And this is what I mean, like, you're, well, you're, you're aware of, like, and I, I don't mean to single you out, I'm sure we all have our no, issues, no, sure. right? Yeah. And maybe some of this is just informed by my friendship with you or whatever, but I feel mm -hmm. like you are in a place where you're aware of some level of, like, unhappiness in your life. Mm -hmm. And you're just sort of choosing to not see it, but it's like, it's like seeing, you know, a, a snowball rolling well, down. Who, who's happy all the time? Nobody's happy all the time. And like but my I mean, age group like is... Like I went through uh, this period, right? Like this last month, last two months maybe. I was in such a weird place mentally. And I was I was talking mm -hmm. to all my friends about it and like texting them and stuff. Like I just... I, even you, I think I was talking to you yeah, about you it. Yeah, you mentioned But I was just like, I have no idea what's going on. And out of nowhere, and for absolutely no reason, I've gone from being completely satisfied with my life to waking up being like, what's the point of all this? Like literally, you know? Yeah. But like just that process of communicating and talking to people and stuff. Well, that's fine. Like within like a month, I was like... Something happened and I was I was out of it, you know. Yeah, no, yeah. and I feel great. like I have new goals and, and a new perspective and something else to look forward to and made some changes in my life and stuff. But I feel mm -hmm. like if I didn't have all these people to process with by speaking to, I wouldn't have been able to get there. Mm -hmm. No, I was in the same place a couple of months ago as well. Like, I think my anxiety was just on the rise mm -hmm. for multiple reasons, but I think it was also like career related and also what's my next move. I'm here in a foreign country by myself. Um, and like I just couldn't deal with it. and I did see like mm. I did seek help as well mm. and I did go to a therapist um, but and, and I talked to all my friends about it as well but at some point you just feel like I can't burden them at this point you know because they have offered their suggestions and now it's my responsibility to mm. do something about it and take control of it and I think that did give me a new Don't perspective. <laughs> that's that's the same thought pattern right? Yeah. But see, like, I don't feel like that. I don't care. Like, I've, I've, I mean, I know my friends will listen to me. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I, yeah. I do have supportive friends. So that also helped me. But um, but I think at some point you, you do need to, like, unburden them, like family and friends, and get a new perspective from someone else. I guess how does this, it's like, so when you're in a, in a place of bad mental health, how does it manifest itself in your sort of day-to-day? -day? Like, how do you find yourself behaving or reacting? Or You know what? I, I don't think I behave uh, differently. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think outwardly no one would be like, hey, he's not the same, you know, I, I think, um, um, yeah, oh, actually, no, that's not entirely true. Okay, so, <laughs> um, so, okay, I, I was, uh, I was dating this girl for a few months and, um, uh, you know, she said something that was kind of funny. She was like, she was like, I feel like there's a, like, three, three mo's. One is like this jolly mo where he's like always laughing and making jokes and stuff and there's this other mo which is like he's all about um you know science and history and uh, you know statistics or some shit mm. and then the third mo is this depressed mo <laughs> mm. and he only comes out occasionally <laughs> yeah um uh yeah so uh surprise surprise people have levels <laughs> yeah, um, yeah so i guess uh, you know there is you know uh, just like anybody else there there is a part of you that's not uh, always satisfied and always happy. So, but how does that manifest itself? So, how could she sort of recognize the depressed male? Um, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I didn't ask her. Okay. How did you react to that? I laughed. Just like you are Typical, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that's your coping mechanism? Yeah. Well, uh, laugh uh, laughter is the best medicine. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, but no, like uh, you know, if I feel like I'm not, feet, I'm not really happy. Like if I feel it, uh, I'll I'll just know to exercise more and to 
um, uh, yeah, just exercise more. And how exercise will that help you? Well, you become happy when you exercise. So you, you literally try to chemically hack your brain by releasing more endorphins? Yeah. Mm. It's so good. And you should exercise. You, so do you sort of see any underlying reasons or do you ever sort of sit there and try to figure out like what is getting to me? Like what is making me feel this way in a sort of holistic emotional sense that you can address maybe by not working Yeah, out? yeah. So I, I try and think about it uh, occasionally to myself. And, um, you know, uh, it's all the uh, uh, the usual, I guess, suspects, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, my age group is the, uh, the has the highest risk of suicide. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, underachievers, which I kind of identify as an underachiever. And... Um, uh, just the age group as well and being single. Uh, so all those things, yeah. So, you know, you're kind of like, well, you know, that's, uh, I'm in the, statistically, I'm in the age group and it's normal to have these feelings once in a while. Um, yeah. It's a very surgical sort of way to look at it. You personally sit there and think about like your own sort of, maybe your trauma or things, you know, your personal circumstances and things like that. No. Do you feel like you avoid doing that? Are you, do you feel like you're not measuring up to your estimation of yourself? Um, and is that contributing? Not really, no. But you just said you felt Why like you, you were like an underachiever. underachiever, yeah. Oh, uh, well, uh, I, I don't mean that as in like I had thought I would achieve more by this time. I just mean that as a guy who's in his early 30s, doesn't have a really good career or anything like that, doesn't have a degree, doesn't have a... Uh, so hasn't paid off his house. Just, um, I, I guess, uh, my own subconscious, you know, idea of. So, so you can't really identify behaviors in yourself that sort of would indicate to, to the people around you when you're not feeling great. Uh, no, I, I don't see it, but I think they do mm. occasionally. Okay. Mm. And other than exercise, do you have any other sort of management strategies? Uh, no. Okay. Are you, is it sort of part of your aspirations to be able to like seek help and stuff or is it just something you just don't want to fuck with? I, um, I hadn't really thought that I needed it. I mean, um, if I was struggling with my mental health, uh, I think exercise and just spending time with family and, uh, and stuff like that is, is been enough for me to keep everything under control and that well enough. You? Do you feel like more elevated mentally after doing things like that? Like spending time with your family? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, you feel much better about yourself. You feel better with, about everything and yeah. Um, so what, what sort of impact did it have on your mental health when you moved out into your own place? Um, I, uh, okay, I, I'm a very out of touch person like I don't I'm out of touch with my own feelings and with my own mental health mm -hmm. so I feel like I'm the same <laughs> but so you didn't feel like a significant but I mean you spent a lot of time away anyway right by yourself yeah exactly yeah um so do you feel supported emotionally um by yeah people around you? yeah yeah absolutely in what ways do they support you I mean uh, you know, uh, I, I spend time with friends and family, and um, uh, yeah, uh, everyone's lovely. So how does that translate into them emotionally supporting you? Um, I guess just spending time with people you love is, is good for your mental health. So, I've, let me rephrase the question. So I mean in terms of like active support, right? Like, so for example, like, I feel like Mishka actively emotionally supports me because if she feels that I'm not, you know, sort of at my best or whatever, she'll ask me or she'll, you know, sort of go the extra mile to sort of cover something up, like, not cover up, but like cover something for me that I should be doing or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, so things like that where she's actively gone out of her way to make me feel supported. Do you feel like people around you are doing that? Um, or she'll yeah. ask me and talk to me and like sort of talk me through, you know what I mean? Yeah, look, uh, I mean, uh, if I ask them, I think so. Uh, all men have this. You know, like they have this uh, idea of what it's, what it, how you should be behaving, uh, and um, uh, and so this is what I mean. Like, do you feel because of these expectations, you or other men in general? Like, for example, do you feel like you dress the way you want to dress? 
or do you feel like sometimes when you're about to wear something you're like oh that probably makes me look a bit soft or makes me look a bit like stupid or whatever or like do you, like even i'm just trying to think about little things right because i feel like you guys have a lot of different sort of pressures as yeah. men than we do you know yeah yeah so like like even and i know this is going to sound so bad for me to say it on, on an episode about you know sort of not forcing men to live up to certain standards like let's say i follow a guy on social media and he posts for way too much i as a person that's always on social media and you know me since we were kids you know like i've before there were phone cameras, I used to have a digital camera and I'd take photos of everything and I used to make those little yearbooks and stuff. Like, I'm old, and when social media became, like, became a thing, that became my thing. But, like, if I see a guy overposting, I'm just like, mm, that's not very, you know what I mean? Like, it makes him look a bit less masculine to me. And th- So, I wonder if those are things that you guys think about, Emma, you know? like Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like I said at the start, we don't make the rules, you know? I don't think about why. I feel like the guy, you know, oversharing is is a bit, uh, you know, mm, but you yeah. feel that way. I don't even really have a word for it. You know, you kind of think to yourself, oh, that's a bit gay. But I mean, yeah, yeah, I first you. of all, I try not to use that term in a negative way. Mm, yeah. um, uh, secondly, it's it's not obviously gay at all. I mean, mm-hmm. like he's just oversharing. It's, he's not, you know, it doesn't mean anything about his sexual orientation. But mm. uh, but I guess in the Western world there is this, well, there has been this idea of like someone who's weak, someone who overshares, someone who's feminine, someone who is um, seeking mental health is uh, is more feminine, is, is mm. not a real man. And right. Yeah. So do you feel like you sort of censor yourself, the way you are, the way you speak, the way you behave, or maybe not censor, but like modify it slightly to fit those expectations? Perhaps, perhaps, but um, I mean, uh, trying to think of an example, uh, yeah. No, I mean, sometimes people think I'm gay and, you know, uh, like I, I do sometimes do this with my hand, which is, I guess, maybe part of the reason. Uh, but, um, you know, like, uh, I like I don't actively try to become to to uh, come across more masculine or, or more uh, manly or anything like that. And, you know, I'm comfortable with how I am and what I am. And um, I don't uh, I, I don't think of men who are more feminine as uh, as weaker, uh, I mean, as as uh, you know, less uh, worthy human beings or something like that. I. Uh, yeah. But it seems like it seems like you're. What's it called? You're you're learning along the way. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're breaking barriers, but it seems like there's still a lot of mental blocks that you're putting on yourself. Sure. Um, and it's interesting you say that because uh, when I was in high school, I would try to behave more manly. I would try to be more masculine. Mm. Uh, and uh, as the years go by and you uh, grow as a person, I guess, um, I, I stopped trying to do those things. I uh, tried to be more comfortable in my own uh, skin. But um, yeah, I, I mean, this is something that affects everybody, you know, and women as well. And if a guy does, you know, you know, like just goes, no barriers at all and is fully comfortable and just overshares then you know just like you said and you're an open-minded person who mm-hmm. doesn't judge and you know and even you're like Ugh, with mm-hmm. the guy who overshares why do you feel that way mm-hmm. you know so what does what does manhood look like to you or mean to you now that you're at your big age how does manhood look like to me um because it, uh, it seems like you've learned a lot along the way, you know. So I, I'm pretty sure that idea of a man has changed quite a bit. Yeah. I, okay. I've got an answer. Um, okay. So what manhood means to me now is uh, is uh, uh, acceptance uh, through strength and and uh, being uh, kind and and um, uh, offering help and protection even. Yeah. to everybody around you mm-hmm. um, through being financially stable, through being physically strong, through being um, emotionally strong, through being stoic. That's what, I guess, being a man. I, I'm not saying this is good, or and it's just the stuff that's yeah. coming out right off the top of my head, but that's that's my initial... Yeah, yeah. strong and quiet type. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can you equate you. being emotionally strong with being stoic? Well, sure. Yeah, because I would say that's almost 
I, I, I get what you're saying. Being mm-hmm. stoic is not always a good thing. And someone who's stoic and struggles with their mental health, being stoic is a negative thing in that, in that aspect. Yeah. But on the surface, it's, it's, you know, it's the same, right? It seems like it's strength. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe that's your interpretation, but to sure. me, yeah, like, I, I feel like if someone, because I think emotional strength is actually having the strength to deal with your emotions and, and sift through them and work them out and stuff. So mm. to me, feeling the need to be stoic and equating that with emotional health, I think that's a bit of an oxymoron. Um, so I guess in terms of expectations on you growing up and stuff, you sort of being an ethnic male, there's a lot of, I guess, theories and, and, you know, people's trying to build insights onto this, you know, why this specific age group of, of young men succumb to, you know, things like suicide and whatnot and what sort of pressures they might feel like they were under and why men's mental health in certain stages of their life seems to be significantly lower than sort of the wider demographic of, of society. What do you feel like some of the pressures on you were as like a young immigrant Muslim boy growing up? Man up, get on with it, yeah. get it done. Um, yeah, just the just the general uh, stuff, I guess. I actually had the same experience. Yeah. E- even as a girl, I think it's because like me and my dad are so close. Mm-hmm. Like, and I didn't like my brothers weren't born until I was like thirteen, so I was like the only one. And me and my dad had this kind of like father son kind of relationship. So if I ever did have any complaints, like I said yeah. before, why are you being ungrateful? Mm-hmm. Why are you crying? Like, any time I cried, I don't think I actually fully cried in front of my dad until, like, last year. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And and he was, like, really shook. Like, because mm-hmm. he, he, I'd never been so vulnerable with him like that. Every time I did, he would just be like, that's really silly. Don't cry. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I would just stop and I, yeah. So I, I completely understand that. Mm. Um, the whole stoicism thing and showing strength to people. Mm-hmm. Because being vulnerable with family members, it just... It's awkward because they don't know what to do with it. And yeah. I think all the men in your family don't know how to deal with it either. Mm-hmm. And they think something's going on with you, yeah. which at that point is a cry for help as well. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. Cause I, I mean, like, I wouldn't say in my experience that's limited to just the men in my family. I think everyone in my family generally, like, I think it's a lot harder to be vulnerable with the people very close to you or your family mm-hmm. than it is to with strangers or your friends yeah, or whatever. Uh, absolutely. Because, yeah, absolutely. And also because their reaction can impact you a lot worse, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like if, they, if they react in a sort of way that feels defensive or feels like they're not listening or, you know, it feels like they're dismissing whatever you're vulnerable about, it's very much more hurtful than the next person doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I meant more in terms of, like, practical sort of, um, okay, pressures just, uh, on you, not necessarily the pressures on your mental health okay. or that you link to your mental health, but just on your life in general. Well, uh, this is, uh, I think this is kind of along the lines of what you were asking, but this is uh, something I remember from the time I was a child. I remember being a kid and walking on the street with my whole family mm. and then me like um, uh, tripping and almost falling mm. and um, my mom kind of going, oh my God, are you okay? Like, are you all right? And my dad kind of going, like, giving her shit for checking on me. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't, like, baby him. Don't, yeah. don't ask him if he's okay, you know. Basically, like, he's a man. He'll, he'll be fine. Don't check on him. Yeah. But if anything ever happened to my sisters, they will both be like, oh, my God, are you yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. You know? And they would treat them very differently. Yeah. So then that, you know, puts the idea in your head that, well, uh, you shouldn't, uh, uh, you know, complain if you got hurt. You, uh, you know, um, uh, you shouldn't behave that way. No one is gonna. No one cares about you if you are hurt. Mm. It's uh, you just need to get on with it mm. and and be okay. Um, and you mentioned something about like being a man also means that you have to sort of physically and financially protect the people around you. Would you say that's something that's programmed into? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're. Uh, uh, you know, there's a there's a lot that goes into our um, psyche, but for for a very very long time, uh, you know, like maybe in the society that we live today in Australia, being physically strong doesn't really mean, you know, being able to protect the people around you. But for the longest time, it did. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, as far as Homo sapiens go, uh, you had to be you had to have some 
some uh, ability to protect yourself and your family and your people around you. And if you weren't able to do those things, then you would potentially be taken advantage of, you would potentially be um, in a position where you can't help and protect your family member. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, and so do you feel like, do you also feel financially responsible for everyone in your family? Not for everyone in my family, but um, I, I do have a sense of like um, a need to make sure that everyone is okay. Um, and I, I'm not sure if that's a man thing. I think that's just a human thing to make sure people around you are okay, right? Mm. Yeah. So do you think the fact that you were working, you know, when you were so young and whatnot? Yeah, it definitely had something to do with that idea. Mm. Yeah. And did you feel like you were being mad at the house doing that? Or you just thought it was I'm just any other kid? You know, helping their parents out. Yeah, um, you know, like maybe in a different uh, family, uh, mm. people would be like, "Oh, you're such a good boy," <laughs> you know, uh, "You're you're you're responsible," and you know, but that it wasn't like that for me. It was like, um, it was like you're just doing your duty. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what other sort of things do you feel like are your duty? Um, okay, maybe taking care of your family. Mm. Uh, you know, being a productive member of society. Mm. Um, being nice to the neighbors, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, all the stuff is your duty. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I am nice to my neighbors, by the way. That's just in case you want, yeah. <laughs> it's thirteen commandments. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just trying to establish what some of the like the invisible pressures, mm -hmm. unique to ethnic or Muslim minorities might oh, be okay. um, in terms of men. Well, uh, we have a very very religious upbringing, obviously, mm -hmm. and. Um, Hey man, uh, just going back to what I just said, Islam really emphasizes on uh, you know kindness to neighbors and taking care of your neighbors. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's definitely part of my upbringing as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, other pressures unique to Muslims. So you wake up and you're like, oh fuck, what should I, what can I do for my neighbor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so really nice. It's, uh, <laughs> I've never heard that perspective before, man. <laughs> so sweet it's like something that weighs on your mind <laughs> uh, no it, it's never it's never a thing that's like a, uh, uh, that you think about consciously no. like I said we don't make the rules we don't yeah. make uh, we don't make up the stuff about how we feel about things but you being but you know but, like you being stoic and strong being, is something you think about consciously my heck no, no I, I never think about being stoic and strong I just but like just I said, the appearance you, of being stoic and strong no I, I never no. even think about that I okay. uh, uh, you know it, 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 this this is stuff that's going on in the background in your subconscious. Yeah, you know right. you're not sitting there like, um, it, you know um, I, I want other people to think I'm manly. You know you, you never think about that. No no no, no. okay but okay or, okay let's just or, say or you never think like oh I, I want to appear as a, yeah. a real man or something like that. Uh, you never sit there. Maybe as a teenager you do, but as an adult you don't really. Fair enough. Okay, so maybe maybe things that don't actively weigh on your mind, but things that weigh on your mind regardless. What are they? Things that weigh on my mind. Yeah. That, oh, okay. Uh, being successful uh, financially, uh, okay. educationally, um, uh, yeah, those those things, and also meeting someone that is that I can get along with well enough to have a relationship with, and yeah, yeah. adhering to the uh, religion, mm -hmm. uh, kind of like uh, living your life um, in accordance with Islamic. Uh, accepted Islamic behaviors mm. and how do you feel that impacts their, their sort of behavior or their mental health well it really restricts your behavior mm. and uh, uh, it really um, um, it restricts kind of like what you're going to get up to in life and uh, and um, um, you know uh, your behaviors will also dictate uh, if you feel like you belong mm. uh, like uh, I, I feel like in Australia um, people uh, don't segregate as, uh, you know, based on skin color or how you look mm -hmm. as much, mm -hmm. but they do on behavior a lot more. Sure. So somebody who's like, you know, super religious and Muslim and um, doesn't behave the same as others, they'd be like, okay, he's, he would be, he would feel more segregated. Yeah. And um, uh, others who are kind of like more, uh, I guess, integrated liberal or whatever uh, will feel more um, part, uh, of the crowd. part of the crowd. Sure. What does that mean? Does that mean like, I don't know, 
going to the pub or something like that. Sure, yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, Australians love going to the pub and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but it, it's all kinds of stuff, you know. It's just uh, it's just Muslim behavior and non-Muslim behavior, uh, you know. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, the reality is the majority of Muslim boys, if they want to live whatever lifestyle. They, they, they don't let their religion stop them. Do you know what I sure. mean? Yeah. But they might be doing that stuff with a sort of guilt in the back of their heads or yeah, some yeah, sort of understanding yeah. that mm -hmm. this is not the way they're going to be living forever. So is that what you're saying would impact their mental health? Yeah, so I think uh, even for men who aren't religious, mm -hmm. they still feel that guilt. Right. Uh, even for people who are like agnostic, they would still feel that guilt because it's programmed into them. If they come from a Muslim background? If they come from a Muslim background. Right. Uh, if they're behaving in a non-Islamic way. Right. Um, uh, oh, so it does affect them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that kind of leads to the, uh, uh, to perhaps the, um, in, you know, the inclination to drug abuse and um, that kind of stuff. Because instead of facing your mental health and, and talking about it, mm. you're just um, uh, feeling guilty but you want to live this lifestyle that you like mm -hmm. but um, you feel guilty because you feel like you should be living a different lifestyle like more similar to your dad or to your uh, you know good cousin who everybody approves of um, yeah. that you're constantly being compared to mm -hmm. um, and so there's this disparity with uh, your identity and who you are and who you feel like you are mm -hmm. because you're you're kind of maybe living a life that you don't uh, you don't approve of even yeah I'll, I'll share something else from that book would you guys would you guys like to yeah yeah okay um, um tell us about the book from 1875 <laughs> <laughs> 1997 um uh, so um uh, emil durkheim came of from a line of uh something like six or seven um rabbis so he is came from a very author? this is the author so he was a he was a jewish guy and uh he was um um obviously had a very religious upbringing yeah but he was also a really smart kid, so he got sent to the best schools, and um, uh, he—I guess—he got introduced to a different world, and um, uh, he became a scientist eventually, and uh, is one of the uh, one of the first uh, sociologists in Europe, mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, he kind of uh, saw. Um, well, he didn't see it so much, but uh, but uh, around that time in France, this is that's where he was born and raised, is uh, when um, uh, you know capitalism was being born, and mm -hmm. this is when capitalism took root, and uh, and was the first uh, you know um, democratic nation. It took a long time to get there, but this is the birthplace of these ideas and and like the rights of man and all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, he kind of writes about seeing his nation go from a uh, kind of like a, uh, a, a nation where everybody is a serf and like, you know, where they had like a serfdom um, system and, um, and uh, monarchy to a nation where uh, capitalism flourishes and they have a democracy and they have freedoms. And he kind of talks about seeing suicides skyrocket. And he was really curious, he's like, well, okay, we no longer have famine we now have, uh, uh, you know, an abundance of all all things that we need. Um, uh, you know, we we have the freedoms to choose what we want to do, mm. and yet we're unhappier than ever, and we're committing suicide more often than ever. And when he started looking around at the nations around him, the better off the nation, the higher the suicide. Mm -hmm. And that's the same today as well. And um, uh, he, uh, in part, attributed attributed this uh, to. Uh, the um, um, uh, belonging and to identity. Uh, he kind of talks about how in a, in a serfdom uh, system, uh, you're born and you might be a peasant or you might be an artisan or whatever you are, whatever you are born mm. into, that is you. Mm. And you know your sense of purpose. You know who you are, you mm. know what you are. Your father or your mother is gonna, or your uncle or somebody, is going to teach you that trade mm. and that is going to be your main um, uh, like activity basically mm -hmm. for, for a very very long time mm -hmm. and um, uh, you know there is no um, confusion about who am I and what should I do with my life and what sort of job do I want and 
all this stuff creates anxiety and creates pressure on you. Uh, so uh, the reason why you're an underachiever is all because of you. Uh, there is no, you know, like uh, nothing yeah. to blame. You know, like if I was born a peasant, I'd be like, well, you know, I'm just born a peasant. Maybe I can live the best peasant life that I can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I'm born, uh, you know, just a normal guy and I can decide whether I want to uh, be the best surgeon in the country or whether I want to be a criminal and mm -hmm. it's all up to me. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, in a capitalist society, we really get the sense that it's all up to us. Mm. It's not really all up to us. No. But we get this, you know, we, we this is kind of like shoved down our throats on mm. uh, it's all up to you. And, uh, you know, and, you know, this creates um, this um, uh, creates uh, a, a lot of pressure on an individual to, uh, you know, succeed, I suppose. More options uh, doesn't mean uh, I, I read this different book that was uh, that was called the paradox of choice mm -hmm. and the writer kind of talks about um, uh, the writer kind of talks about uh, uh, having more choices like, I'm just paraphrasing here. yeah but uh, having more choices doesn't always mean more happiness no. but we were told this again in a capitalist society like more options are great you know yeah. but it's not really having too many options actually is not a good thing mm -hmm. and people will more often than not uh, end up making the wrong decisions and not uh, uh, um, um, not uh, uh, you know if you have like five or seven options people will weigh those options really well and make a good decision yeah but once you have 40 options you no longer are in a position to make a good decision <laughs> and uh, you know like uh, you're going to the shop to the buy to buy some jeans and you know how many different types of jeans there are today mm. it's not like two or two or three options it's like 40 or 50 options and it's just like it's um, it's, it's such a burden to even make that decision and then we're we're constantly bombarded with these decisions you know what, what sort of milk should i buy well, you know so many small decisions uh, but it drains you uh, you know, and you're you're left with uh, you're basically like a a shell, and you're just kind of going about uh, uh, your day to day. And, and also another thing that um, leads to um, uh, higher depression and anxiety and stuff is uh, we're not really interconnected in today's world. Mm -hmm. uh, living in a capitalist society, um, what matters is money, mm -hmm. and uh, and nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you're um, living in the, living in the 16th century. I don't know uh, some any any nation really. Uh, groups are much more interconnected. Yeah. Uh, you're part of this group, and this is who you are, and you know, um, and you have stronger social ties and social bonds. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a, a capitalist society, well, uh, you know, you no longer have those. Um, uh, social bonds like before yeah, and it's all very um, individualistic. yeah exactly and uh, the idea was that family would 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 take over as 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 this like social group mm -hmm. uh, uh, or religion but those have not fared as well I mean especially since religion is is, is being de destroyed in the Western world and you know is not really like a, a accepted thing anymore mm. uh, and uh, the family is now is not doing awfully well either, mm. uh, and so a lot of people are felt uh, are left kind of feeling really uh, abandoned and uh, and unhappy and uh, higher rates of anxiety and suicide and mental health. Due to a lack of connection. Uh, yeah, a lack of uh, um, intimacy and uh, and interconnectedness with the, with the people around you. I and purpose. That, um, Sorry. And purpose. On purpose. As in, and, and lacking purpose. purpose. And lacking purpose, yes, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And uh, having to decide your own purpose, which is yeah. so much harder. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember reading. Anyway, um, so how do you feel like we, as a community, mm -hmm. can support those members of our community going through um, sort of mental health struggles in a way that they would be willing to accept that support and help without making them feel uncomfortable or, you know, like on the spot or whatever? Uh, look, um, just talking about it, I think, is the key uh, because we don't talk about our mental health and that's the main driving force of uh, reinforcing the same uh, uh, stereotypes and the same negative um, uh, ideas that we grew up with. So just uh, having an open conversation and talking about mental health and, and saying it's okay to, uh, 
um, you know, share how you feel. So that was today's episode with Thanks Mohammed. for braving it. Yeah, yeah thanks for doing it. No, trying no to, yeah, trying no. to chat about this. I know there's a it's lot not of easy. stigma involved. Not easy internally for you and externally within your society. Yeah, and I yeah, hope yeah. when your mates hear it, they don't call you the P word. I've started hugging my mother. Like I remember being a child and never, never hugging anybody. Oh my god, so that's great. So you're hugging your mom, mm. I'm crying in front of my dad. Like, we're all... What about yeah, yeah. you, Mother? What are you doing? Moving to London. <laughs> are you? <laughs> yeah, She's yeah. leaving. <laughs> Alright, thanks, Habib. Lovely Thank to you. have you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Mishka. Thanks, Mother, for your insightful questions. <laughs> Alright, we'll see you guys next time. We are not man-haters. We had a man on the podcast. <la